Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Praise God, praise God. Amen. That's all right with you. I'm just going to start preaching. You may be seated. I'm going to preach to you today on this subject, the power of a spoken word. The power of a spoken word. I learned a long time ago that it's not very effective if you're talking and no one's listening. In premarital counseling, we teach couples the power of being assertive. Also, when you're being assertive, it helps if somebody's listening to what you say. How many's ever heard in a negative connotation, oh, they're assertive? Almost as if they're trying to say they're opinionated. But assertive is a quality that every healthy couple must have. Assertiveness is the ability to ask for what you want. It's the ability to speak how you feel. I've learned in 17 years of doing counseling and premarital counseling, I've learned in a lot of couples, somebody is not assertive. I've also learned that it's the assertive one that gets everything out of the relationship they want. So maybe I could suggest to you today, if you're not assertive, maybe you'll start being now or you're gonna be disappointed. Assertiveness. Uh, my kids, you know, uh, assertive being the ability to ask for or to what you want or speak how you feel, it doesn't mean you say it rude, it just means you tell how you feel, that you're comfortable. The atmosphere is set where you can talk about that. And uh, one of my kids one time, and, and growing up, they would say things like this. Um, they, this, this was their level of assertiveness. Do you, do you want, want some ice cream? They weren't wanting to know if I want ice cream. They were letting me know they wanted ice cream. And because they weren't feeling confident that what they wanted mattered, they would ask what I wanted because in their personality, they feel like what they want wasn't mattered until somebody else wanted what they wanted. That's not assertiveness. Assertiveness does not start with you think you want, that's not assertiveness. Assertiveness is just plain and to the point, it's frank, it's clear, it's kind, but it goes something like this. I want some ice cream. Look at your neighbor and say, I want some ice cream. Amen. On your way out, we've got Anchor ice cream being sold at the door on the way out. I'm just teasing. Brian and Lisa Winnegar are here. They could start that company with some homemade ice cream. Anybody had their homemade ice cream? I don't know why that sounds good to me right now, but it sounds some kind of good to me. Let me just say, I want ice Cindy, I want ice cream. How I many of you ever leave the church and you don't have plans where you want to eat and go something like this? Where do you want to eat? I don't care. Where do you want to eat? I don't care. Where do you want to eat? You know what I do? I just say, Burger King. Because I know my wife does not like Burger King. And she'll say something like this. You know I don't like Burger King. I said, then why you say you don't care? Amen. 
Because deep down in all of us, we care about what we want and don't want. How many know it's true? Now, when you, when you, uh, I was teaching one couple that, he never thought anybody wanted what he wanted. Next premarital counseling session I had with him, he came and she said, you created a monster. She said, he gets up in the morning, he'll call and say, I want Bob Evans, that's where we're going. That's not the way this is supposed to work. And uh, confidence. And in a marriage, you've got to create an atmosphere where it's confidence. Is every time your spouse speaks of something they want, you get grouchy, or they start talking about a hobby they have or something, then you get grouchy. I have learned that if you're walking down the street and every time you pass a certain tree, a bee flies out and stings you after twice, what are you gonna do on the third time? You're gonna to go to the other side of the street and walk down, you're gonna avoid it. If every time you, someone in your relationship, speaks about something they want and you fuss at them, they talk about a hobby, well, you know that, and you fuss, they will eventually avoid having that conversation with you. Why? Because you have stung them every time they mention something that they want. If every time your spouse, somebody brings up something uh, that needs corrected in your life. When she tells me something I do wrong, I get, I get unpleasant. She was like, you know, it would be better if, or this, I, you know, I could give a thousand options right now because, you know, I'm human here. And she's helped me over the years. But, but I get upset initially. Anybody get corrected to get upset? Oh, I know how you are. Thank you so much for correcting. I've been wanting you to correct me all week long. No, we get, we get upset and because we don't like to think the wrong. One person in my office one time, she made this statement. She said, oh, I've never been wrong. That's, that's what she said. She said, I've never been wrong. She said, none of my family's ever been wrong. I want to tell that guy to run. Don't you dare marry this woman. Yeah, you, you think she's Miss Right. You get married, she's gonna be always right. That's gonna be her first name, always. Always right. I'm saying this to you if we're not careful that we will be in relationships and we will create an atmosphere where we can't talk about anything. We can all, only talk about some things. Every time the hobby's mentioned, it, it is it's attack mode, you stand. Every time something, they correct you on something that you need correcting, look at your neighbor and say, you know you need some help. And every wife in the building just said. That's why God said we're the help meet. I'm going to help you by telling you what you did wrong. We, we need that. And I'm saying this to you that every time we're corrected on something, somebody's trying to help us, or there's, there's a conflict in the family, a conflict in a relationship, a conflict with the children. If we're not careful, we will create an atmosphere where we can't talk about things. Hobbies and or indifferences. I, I'm preaching to myself and I've been preaching to myself on three weeks talking about emotions. The other day, Finn got upset about something he, I don't know what it was exactly. And I looked at him, I said, you, you can't be upset about. It's okay to be upset. That's what I told him, that's all right. You're allowed to be upset. Look at your neighbor and say, it's okay to get upset. I taught you last week, the Bible says, be ye angry. In that verse is implied as don't be angry all the time. Amen, that's in there somewhere. 
Don't let the sun go down in your wrath. But I, I was teaching my son not to be upset about something. It's okay to be upset about things. It's just how you respond when you're upset that matters. And we've got to create safe environments for our family where our children can be upset when they don't agree with us or we don't agree with them. To tell our children they can't be upset, to tell our kids they can't respond, to tell our kids they can't. What'll happen is they'll find somebody else to have an outlet with. And if your spouse can't talk to you about some things, they will find somebody to talk about some things or they will internalize it and they're gonna be grouchy all the time because they're hateful and sad. Let me know this is true. Amen. I, I realize I'm only preaching to the online people right now because they didn't show up to church today, praise God. I'm teasing y'all. But, but what I'm saying to you is we've got to create an atmosphere in our homes where our children can come to us with their problems where our spouses can come to us with their indifferences and they can also share in their great moments of what they need. I think it's awesome if my kids can come up and ask me for something that they want. You know why? Because they believe I can get it for them. Can I just turn this? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thou will be done. What would happen if we started praying big prayers because we know he's a big God that can do big things and he cares about us. Amen. Now I would probably be more excited if Jillian came to me and she said, Daddy, would you take me on a date? And I say, babe, where do you wanna go? She says, I wanna go to McDonald's and get the dollar menu. Oh, bless your sweet soul. Daddy's gonna splurge on you today. It's gonna be like going to the Dollar Tree and say, just buy whatever you want in here. I mean, make you feel like a million bucks. Again, you say, amen. Just whatever you want. Get as many things that you want. I was at the Dollar Tree the other day and I asked, can you believe I asked the lady, how much is this? You're not gonna believe what she said. She said a dollar. Jillian, but if you came to me and you said, Dad, I'd like to go on a date with you. I said, where do you want to go? You said, Ruth's Chris. I don't know if I would be insulted or feel like I had been worshipped for a moment. Her thinking that I could get that for her. Thinking that Daddy can get that. I, I, I just... I think some people in church that they come to the dollar menu and they got, Lord, I, I, I'd just like you to heal my headache. What if you got cancer in your body? You say, Jesus, I know the doctor said one thing, but I just believe that you're able. I think it's time that we start speaking like King's kids. I think it's time that we start speaking like we're the child of God and not just the child of man. We start praying because we know that he's able. Somebody shout he's able. For he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. You pray it, he can do bigger than that. You think it, he's greater than that. He's not just a prophet. He's not just a good man. He is God manifest in the flesh. He has no limitations. He has no bearing. He's able. 
somebody shout, he's able. Lord, I'd like to go to Eddie Merlo's. Somebody's saying, what's Eddie Merlo's? That's, that's more expensive. Somebody went there one time and bought a steak for $250. I said, hey, ain't smart. I'm going to tell you right now, there's some things in your life right now, and I feel this. And sometimes we pray small prayers because we believe that we're small people and we serve a God, not that he can't, but we're just not worthy of what he can give. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and all the hills that the cow are on. He has no limitations. And if we're not careful, we speak with small mindsets and we speak with small limitations and we limit God because we believe he's able to do some things, but he's not able to do big things for us. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, he cares as much for you as he does for me. How many believe that? Say these things with me. I love him because he first loved me. Now say this with me. I didn't choose him. He chose me. That's what John 15 says. You didn't choose him, he chose you. If you're here today, it's because somewhere he stirred you and brought you close to him. He chose you. He cares about what you say. He cares about what you do. Somebody say amen. Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs chapter 18, reading with verse four. Are you ready? Everybody say the words of my mouth. The Bible says that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be what? I, I, I can't move on. I think we got to take God to the dollar menu all the time when he's able to do great things for you. Worship, another word for worship is a worship. You, you start talking about God is great and greatly to be praised. God is big. Another word for that in the Bible is terrible. Not the word terrible used, but terrible God. Not talking about a bad connotation. Terrible means gigantic or ginormous. He's big. If you went to Mars, you could feel him there. Go to Africa, he can hear you praying there. Put on a bunch of clothes and go to Antarctica. You could feel him there. The warmth of his presence. You cannot go where he is not. He's omniscient. Omniscient. He's omnipotent. Omniscient, all-knowing. Omnipotent, all-powerful. And he's omnipresent. Means he's everywhere. He's right here, right now. Some of you need to quit limiting God only to a church service. And start realizing he can answer your prayer on the highway and then the ER and at the operating room. And come on, in your bedroom, he can answer your prayer he can answer your prayer do you believe that somebody shout he's big look at your neighbor and say he's big big he's greater than anything you've ever seen I've come to preach to you today we need to quit limiting God on what he can do he can open the blinded eyes he can heal the deaf he can open the dumb mouth he can heal your broken heart he can heal your wounded spirit he can help you through grief he's able He's able. But I think we've got to be careful because if we're not careful, we will, we, our mouth will just become a conduit to any information that we hear. Anything that passes through, we speak. We've got to be careful what we say. 
Proverbs speaks a lot about it. I don't have time to do all the verses about what you speak just in Proverbs today. But I at least chose one chapter. In Proverbs 18 and 4, and you can turn these monitors down a little bit so it'll stop the ringing. If you can, turn my monitors down. It says, the words of a man's mouth are as deep waters and the wellspring of wisdom as a flowing brook. Verse six says, a fool's lips enter into contention and his mouth calleth for strokes, meaning what I speak brings contention and what I speak makes people want to fight. A fool's mouth is his destruction and his lips are the snare of his soul. The words of a talebearer or someone that spreads rumors are his wounds and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly, meaning making your, 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 your soul sick because of something you've heard, something you've said. Verse 13 says, he that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame unto him. May I remind you, the Bible says, be slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to get angry. And there's been times in my life that I've seen people that were quick to speak, hardly ever listen, and quick to get angry. Somebody that's talking all the time, typically somebody else is not listening because what they say has no value. Some people I've met over the years, they just want to be heard and never listen to what has been said. In my, in my experience of meeting great people across this country, and I've sat in, the, sat in the presence of amazing leaders, amazing successful people, many in my life. I have found one thing in common in all of them when I'm alone with them, is they're not interested telling me about them. They're always interested in me. May I say a great leader is not interested in telling you about them. They're just sincerely interested in you. They have all the greatness behind them, but yet they're quick to listen and slow to speak. I wonder what would happen in here today if we became quick to listen quick to ask questions. How are you? How are things going? How's your life been? Tell me about how your job is. How are the kids? Tell me what's the latest in your life. What's going on? Interested in you. They're, they're interested in me when I know I wasn't even interesting. But it was their demeanor, their nature, because slow to speak. He that answereth the matter before he heareth it it is folly and shame unto him. Talking about things you know nothing about. Verse 19 says, a brother offended is harder to be one than a strong city. And their contentions are like the bars of a castle. Meaning when someone becomes offended, they build walls between you and them. And their contentions are like bars of a gate. There are bars of a wall bars of a castle they will not let you in that's why we got to be careful to offend people because it's easy to offend them and hard to win them back offense this 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 stuff that goes on well i'm just i'm just going to speak it how i feel 
That's the problem. Sometimes when, way, the way we're feeling, we shouldn't be speaking. Speak things when you're mad. Speak things when you're low. Speak things when you're depressed. Speak things when you're, when, you're, when you're broken. If we're not careful, you will speak things into existence that are not. Those that say I can and those that say I can't are both right. Bible also goes on to tell us that we are snared by the words of our mouth. Why I'm preaching this, I know not, except last week on the platform right there, God began to speak to me about preaching this word. Low moment, unanswered prayers, and we speak things out of emotions such as, I don't even know if God loves me. Right in front of our own kids, our own spouse. I'm not so sure God even sees where we are. It's not a reality to you except that you're broken. And you just feel the right to speak anytime or how you feel that, that, that there's no limit on what you can say or, or where you say it or how you say it or who you say it to. You just speak with no gate, with no wall, with no limit, with no governor. The Bible says put a watchman at your mouth. You know what that watchman's name is? Everybody grab your watchman. He's got the stand at the gate. You know who it is? It's wisdom. That grows in your life with time and stands there and says, you know if you say that, you're going to regret it. Don't you say that. Don't you. Come on, anybody got a witness of that? I've seen people that they're a long ways away from wisdom. They can never see where the words would fall. Never see where the words would go. They just speak it. Where, wherever it goes, it goes. I don't care. That's the problem. You've got to care. Because your mouth was made in the image of God. You were made in the image of God. And when you're made in the image of God, your words have power. They, they do something. They, they, when they leave your mouth, they have created power. I can hurt you today or I can help you. In one sermon, I could divide this congregation. One sermon could divide and create contentions and fightings and divisions and strife discouragement, get up and say things that are not of God that could create division and separate us. And if we're not careful, that, that's what will happen is our words become contentious. Our words become, but our job is to speak life and hope and does what I say bring unity or does it separate? See, when God is speaking in his creative order, he, he takes a world that was dark, a world that was, that was the Bible said in the beginning, God, created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and empty, void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. And what? The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. He took something that was chaos, dark, and empty, and he moved on it. But he didn't just move on it. What did he begin to do? He began to speak to it. Because biblical principle of God's creative power is that he moves and then he speaks. Somebody shout, you gotta move and then speak. And when the spirit began to move, he began to speak and guess what he did? He said, let there be light and light came where there was darkness. Then he began to divide and separate. He began to bring an order that has, which had no order. He began to bring fulfillment where there was a void because of the power of his spoken word. Can I say to you, I don't want to bring darkness with my tongue. I don't want to bring chaos with my tongue. And I don't want to make people feel empty with my tongue. I want there to be light. I want to be a springing up well, a deep well and a flowing brook. 
Amen. When I was a kid, they, they said stuff like this. I'm rubber and you're glue. What you say bounces off of me and is going to stick to you. Anybody heard that one? Here's another one. Are you ready? Sticks and may. But words, it's a lie. It's a lie. Because the scripture goes on and, and says and says it this way. Death, verse 21, and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit of it. Death and life are in the tongue. I, I think you ought to just point at your tongue and say death and life are in that. You can bring death or you can bring life. You can bring death to the character of your child or you can bring hope to your children. You can bring death to the marriage or you can bring life to the marriage. Should never be said once you're married, well, maybe we ought to get a divorce. You're speaking something to existence. Shouldn't even be played with. Shouldn't be talked about in that manner. You're gonna struggle if you get married because you're a man and she's a woman. And you're quiet. But that's just the truth. Men are from Mars. And women are from Venus, John Gray wrote in his book. There's going to be difference. But all, every time there's a hardship, well, I don't even know if I love you. Every time there's a hardship, I don't even know if we, you know, maybe we weren't supposed to be. You're speaking out of emotion instead of out of commitment. And love is not an emotion. Love is emotional. Love is a commitment. That says, when I don't feel like loving you, I'm going to speak love. Man, you're all nervous right now. Nervous. You see, you don't, stay, you don't stay married because you feel it all the time. Because when there's tragedy and chaos and confusion and disappointments, that if we're not careful, we will speak out of emotion. I want everybody to say with me right now, don't speak how you feel. You can be angry, but keep your mouth shut. You can be low, but keep your mouth shut. All this stuff, oh man, I feel this right now. Statements of degradation about ourselves. I'm a nobody. It's probably what you end up, you keep saying it. I'm a nobody. I'm not valuable. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares about me. I'm, God doesn't even see me. I am, I am, I've never been valuable. I'll never be valuable. That is not the way we talk. Come on, that might be how you feel, but that's not how you're gonna stay. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Well, I am a son of God. I am a child of the king. God knows where I'm at. That's commitment. Come on, you might be going through some things and people walked out of your life, but God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you even until the end of the world. That's what you've got to speak. I am not alone. I am not by myself. Watch. Job lost everything. He lost it all. But he never sinned with his mouth. Because he even understood in the low state of his life that God's still good. He made statements like this. I looked in front of me and I couldn't find him. I looked behind me and I couldn't find him. Looked to my left and to my right, I couldn't find him. But then he would turn around because there's moments in your life you feel like you can't find God. Why? 
Because God is perfect. How many believe he's perfect? And when our life becomes imperfect, it is the natural state of a person to say, where's God? Why? Because the imperfections of my life have caused me to question where he is because how can my life become imperfect if he's with me and he's perfect? And we question where he is. Come on. Prayer's not answered. Chaos and deal with. Things on the job and this. But Job turned around. Job turned around. He made this statement. He said, he said I know that my Redeemer liveth. Naked I came in this world and naked I leave, but blessed be the name of the Lord. You've got to make up in your mind. I am not going to speak how I feel. I'm going to speak what I know. And there's a distinct difference. I will speak according to what I know. And God is good. The devil, the devil shows up. I'm telling you, I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. The devil shows up and he says to the Lord, he says to the Lord, he comes in, the Lord says to him, he's lost everything. Ten children. The wind blew the house over, lost all of his businesses. And the devil, devil shows up and the Lord says, have you considered my servant Job? He said, yeah. He said, he said, he loves me still. He hates you. He said, but just let me touch his body. Just let me take his health. Just let me touch his skin, skin for skin. Let me, let me do that. And he said, he'll curse you to your face. And, and God says to the devil, but he... He still holds his integrity. You see, when you're married, doesn't mean you're not going to have winds of chaos and confusion and, and, and moments and, and emotions and midlife crisis and menopause and kids. Come on now. Kids can change a lot of things. Three high risks for divorce. You know what it is? When the first baby comes home. Second high risk for divorce is when the last baby leaves the house. It's called empty nesters. The third high risk for divorce is midlife crisis. Kids are in that category. Trying to process and balance. But my question to you is when you feel terrible, can you hold your integrity? It appears to me that integrity and my mouth go hand in hand. What I say and my, what's really in my heart have got to mesh together. And if I don't feel righteous, I'm not going to speak unrighteous. I will guard my mouth. Because if I speak in a low moment, I might have to live with the outcome of that creative word. Snared by my own mouth. And he says, you're going to eat what you say. You're going to eat those words my mama told me. Look at your neighbor and say, you're going to eat those words. You better be careful. They taste bad going out. They're going to taste bad later. They're going to go in your belly regretful that you ever said that. I wonder what would happen in this room right now that we would realize who we are and we would make a covenant with our tongue and say, I will not speak any words that lack integrity. I will not speak any words that lack the love of God. I will not speak against myself and belittling terminologies anymore. I will not degrade you. I will not come against you. I will not speak ill of you. Can somebody say amen? And Job in all of this, he said, I know. Somebody shout, I know my Redeemer liveth. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. 
Amen. Blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Hallelujah. No weapon formed against me shall prosper against my mind, against my health, against my marriage, against my children, against my finances, against my purpose, against my ministry, against my calling. Nothing's going to come against me that doesn't have to deal with God. For if God be for us, then who can be against us? Ye have overcome them little children. For greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The devil's trying to get a hold of your tongue today. But I say let God get a hold of your tongue today and start speaking life. Start speaking purity. Start speaking holiness. Start speaking righteousness. Somebody shout amen. Somebody shout holy things. He's lost more than we've lost. He went through more than what we went through and he never sinned with his mouth. Look at your neighbor and say, quit sinning with your mouth. Quit telling, quit saying, I'm sorry I said it. The next, next time you get mad, you say it again. You can stop that. Stop it. Everybody shout, stop it. See, I'm not the only one up here being aggressive today. Amen. Stop it. You can stop it. The Bible calls it grace. There is power. What I come to preach to you is what you speak does come to pass. Negative or positive. Righteous or unrighteous. Holy or unholy. Dividing or unifying. It matters what you speak. But I believe there's a creative power in here that says I'm going to speak through the things of God. Watch, that's why when he baptizes you with his spirit, on the day of Pentecost, the Bible says they begin to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance. And when people gathered around and said, what is this? They started hearing them speak wonderful works of God. When the Holy Ghost comes upon you, guess what? James says what no man can tame. The Holy Ghost tames. I feel a revival, Brother Cody. I feel a revival, Brother Greg. I feel a revival of our tongues speaking those things that's gonna bring life to our backslidden children. That's gonna bring life to our sick brothers. That's gonna bring life to a community. But somebody's gotta understand the power of a spoken word. James said, a man that offends not in the words the same as a perfect man. He can tame every beast of the field, every fowl of the sea, Every, every, every foul of the air and every fish of the sea. You could take orca killer whales and make them flip a certain amount of times. Dolphins can jump through hoops. You can put your head in a lion's mouth, which is dumb. You can go swimming with sharks, which is crazy. You could tame your dog and your cat. But you can't tame your tongue. What the Bible says. Isn't it amazing when God fills up your cup, your heart, He comes out, you start speaking a language you never understood? You know what He's doing? He's taming the tongue. You know what you're saying? Wonderful things. You are speaking creative things. He's healing me. God's doing it. I'm telling you, that's what the Holy Ghost is for. It's a spirit of truth that will lead you and guide you into all truth. Somebody shout, Amen. 
it'll, it'll take a mean man and turn him into a gentle giant. It, it'll, it'll take a gossiping woman and turn her, to turn her into a spirit of truth, loving, grace-giving person. It'll change you. The Holy Ghost is a changer. You know why? Because the same spirit that moved upon the face of the water is the same spirit that moves upon the troubled soul of your heart that he starts speaking life for you and out of you. Somebody say amen. What if I come up here and beat everybody up every Sunday? Wouldn't be anybody here. You walk out here in doom and gloom, but no, there is the life-giving power of a spoken word. That's why you can't, you cut this book out. If you, if you did an autopsy, not an autopsy, but if you, you did a surgery on this book, you cut it open and opened up the chest of the word, you'd see a heart that beat that beaded mercy, grace, second chances, hope, come back together, forgiveness. It's not over yet. That's what the heartbeat of God is. And I come to preach to you, it's not over till God says it's over. It's not done till God says it's done. He's got a plan for your life. Somebody shout glory. There's a plan for you. I want you to make a covenant right now. Lift your hands, make a covenant with your tongue. I'm gonna speak out of love and not out of hate. I'm gonna speak out of forgiveness and not out of bitterness. Praise God. Hey man, look at your neighbor and say, what are you talking about? You may be seated. How many ever looked at me and said, what are you talking about? Look at your neighbor and say, what are you talking about? Let me tell you what you're talking about. Are you ready? You're talking about what you listen to and what you watch. You watch the news all the time, you're reading political articles all the time, guess what you're gonna talk about? You're gonna talk about news, you're gonna talk about politics. All you hunters in the building been watching hunting videos and reading outdoor life and Ohio game and fish. You talk fishing and hunting because whatever you put in is what you're gonna talk about. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What you put in the eyes, the ears gonna get in the heart and it's gonna churn and it's coming out. That's why I got away from some of that negative stuff. And I'm so happy, I'm so happy. I'm so happy, 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 happy. All of the news and all the politics, you know what it does? It, it, it defiles your spirit. I'm not saying the portion of it, but a constant diet of everything negative and, and, and every war. You, God, God didn't make you to process all that negative stuff. Listen, social media, social media and all of its prayer requests. Listen, I'm not being negative, but you can't, there, there's no way you can take that much burden. Feeling guilty all the time, unfinished all the time. I, I'm just preaching to you today. That every, every war, every, everything going on, you, you, got, you got information at the touch of a button of worldwide. No, you can go as deep as you want to and be depressed. No joy in your life. And every time you talk, you're talking about the war in Zimbabwe, the plane crash in... No joy, no peace. You know why? No word. No life. You know what I've done? I removed negative people from my life. And I put life givers in my life. People trying to get you to sin. People trying to get, you gotta separate that. Well, I don't know, I feel like I'm stirring stuff up today. 
Why are you saying what you're saying? Because of what you're inputting in your life. Well, that's just how our family grew up. We just say how we feel. We just, we just throw it out there. That's just how we roll. It's wrong the way they taught you. You're depressed. You're sad. You're, you're anxious. You got all this. I can tell you God wants to set your tongue free from all the poison and all the deadliness and all the chaos and all the negativism and all the... He wants to set you free to speak life and speak hope. Clap your hands and praise him all over the building. I'm not teaching you to be illiterate. I'm not telling you you shouldn't be some level of relevance of what's going on. But the constant state of everything wrong, eventually you're gonna walk in that. But I feel in this room today that what comes out of my mouth must be life-giving. It ought to be devil-bashing. It ought to be sin-removing. It ought to be shame-stopping. Removing the shame in people's lives. I'm telling you, there's power in an encouraging word. Looking at somebody say, you're going to make it. The devil had his day, but God's going to turn this thing around for you. I believe I have power when I speak. Somebody say amen. In the midst of this, he goes on, says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Praise God. Verse 10, I did not read in the midst of this. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. The name of the Lord isn't just something to know. It's something to speak. When you are in trouble, you just say, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. The name of the Lord isn't just a name, it's a place that when you call upon the name, the presence of God moves around you. He will put a shield of protection around you. I told you this morning, Lakin, that there's gonna be moments, moments that, that, that you can't get a hold of me because you might be on a missions field somewhere where they don't have a cell tower. And it might be midnight and I sleep through the phone call. Don't ever forget, if you can't get a hold of daddy, you can get a hold of Jesus. I have taught my children, somebody shout, speak the name. I've taught my children, there's power when you say the name of Jesus. I don't let them say, oh my Lord, oh my God, use Jesus as a slang word. I don't let them do it. I believe that name has value. I believe that name is powerful. That name washed my sins away. That name healed my crooked feet. That name saved my crooked soul. There's power in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout Jesus. Shout Jesus. I'll never forget, honey, when you were, you were slipped and fell on the ice and I wasn't there. Sawyer was three or four years old. Sawyer runs to you and lays hands on you and he said, in the name of Jesus, touch my mommy, help my mommy. Because I taught him it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. There's power when you call on that name. 
It's a name that works instantaneously. You don't have to go through three, five secretaries. There's no automated hit number one. If you want to speak to this department, there's no number five. When you say the name of Jesus, you've got a direct line to the throne of God. There's power in the name. There's Come on, there's things you can't fix that the name of Jesus will fix. Somebody shout, speak the name. May I preach to you, there's one God. And he has a name that is above every name. Amen. His name is Jesus. And there's delivering power. There's healing power. Can you clap your hands and shout, there's power in the name of Jesus. Deliverance in the name of Jesus. You may be seated. We were traveling back to North Carolina. We went through the Blue Ridge Mountains to the tunnel there in I-77 and the weather on one side of the mountain was not the same weather on the other side of the mountain. We got through, it was pouring the snow. My dad was wearing a t-shirt. We were not ready for that weather. Car broke down. I remember sitting beside the interstate and he had to walk however many miles to get to a filling station to get help. And uh, during that time, he got sick and caught pneumonia. And uh, he was home. Mom's so worried about him. She had to go get some medicine and go to the store. And she said, Aaron, stay here with your dad. I was putting a washcloth, cold water on his head and turning it over and it would heat back up. His fever was so high. I changed his washcloth about 30 times. But I'll never forget in that meantime, I'll never forget what he told me. He said, Aaron, I want you to come over and pray for me. I want you to come over and lay hands on me and pray. Call in the name of the Lord. I was eight years old. He never knew what that did for me because he believed I could get a hold of God for him. And I laid my hand on his chest. I said, oh, Jesus, I pray for my dad in the name of Jesus that you would heal my daddy. In Jesus' name we pray. And you know God healed my dad and his fever ended up breaking and he got over that because you're not too young to call on the name of the Lord. Come on, every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I come to preach to you, you're not too far gone to call on the name. Your life's not too broken to call on the name. You're not, come on, God has given us power to call on the name. Let's stand to our feet and clap our hands and shout, there's power in the name of Jesus. Jesus! It means Jehovah saves. Isaiah 12 says his name. Jehovah has become my salvation. I could tell you stories all day, but there's power in his name. I don't care how long you've been lost, Jesus. Care how many sins you committed, Jesus. The doctor's diagnosis, Jesus. Amen, it's a name that's powerful. It's instantaneous. And it's my name to call on. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus is a powerful name. When you don't know what to do, speak his name. Jesus. 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 Pain and suffering. Jesus. Because life's going to happen. This is not heaven. It's the kingdom of God. But this is not heaven. I was preaching one time, started talking about diabetes. 
Sister Wendy, the Lord moved upon me mightily while I was preaching in St. Louis, Missouri. I started talking about God healing diabetes. I said, as a matter of fact, right in the middle of my sermon, if you want to heal diabetes, run up here. A lady came running down there. She got about right there. God healed her of diabetes. I saw her a few years later. She said, I am still healed. God is a healer if you'll call on his name. But you got to speak it faith believing. You know what some of our kids need? A mom and daddy, they'll wrap them in the arms and say, oh, Jesus, touch my baby. Jesus, touch my baby. Jesus, touch my baby. Jesus! Somebody shout, Jesus. Jesus. When I'm desperate, I call on the name of Jesus. Hey, if you call me to come and pray for you, I'm going to come in the name of Jesus. You ask me to come to the doctor, come to the hospital where you are, I'm going to say in the name of Jesus. Name of Aaron's not going to get you anywhere. Amy's not going to get you anywhere. Brother Putnam's not going to get you anywhere. But we say the name of Jesus, something's going to happen. Because I believe it's a spoken word. Hey, that's why you don't, you don't, you, you, you value. I want everybody to hold the name. Can, can you just hold the name? It's not, it's not used all the time. It has purpose in his name. It's, it's, it's like a, a valuable diamond. It's, it's only pulled out when I'm caught. It's a name. We believe this, don't we? The name of God. The Jews, when they would, scribes, would, the copiers of the scripture, when they would get to the word God, they would leave a letter out. Or they would wrench their hands off before they would write it. Because they didn't feel worthy to write the name of God. Even still today, a Jew, if you are texting with a Jew, they will put God in capital letter, leave a blank, and then, and then the O will be left out in D. Because they don't feel worthy to write the name of God fully because of their human inconsistencies. God forbid we as Christians can just throw that name out there. You ever heard Cry Wolf? Then when the wolf comes, nobody comes because they think it's not. Oh God, oh Lord, oh Jesus. Just slang. Never meant to be used that way. It's to be valued. God, I need you. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Guess what? He does. There's got to be a revival that we guard what comes out of our mouth. And what comes out of our mouth has purpose and destiny with intentions. Don't pray amiss, but pray. I feel like somebody in this room could touch heaven for anything right now and God would do it. Do you believe that way? Hallelujah. I believe God right now. You could call him right now and he could do absolutely anything that you need him to do. Do you believe that? Why don't somebody lift your hands and say, I need a miracle. I need God. I'm praying right now. Oh, God. Pray big prayers. 
I'm going to pray big prayers. Jesus. Come on, everybody out of the building. I want you to take a moment and pray. have a need today you want the Lord to take care of I want you to come be safe come come on you can go to the dollar menu if you want to there's a I'm asking for some things I haven't asked for because I feel like God can provide it come on over the building We are made in his image, the creative power of a spoken word. And when I pray, I feel like God's going to do something. Come on, spread out as safe as you can. Hallelujah. Come on, if your spouse is near, you want to say something nice. I believe in you. I'm thankful for you. For this day is over, say something to your children. I believe in you. I'm thankful for you. We're going to pray some things today that we believe God is going to fulfill. Let me believe in the power of a spoken word. Y'all remember the days of unspoken prayer requests? I may remember unspoken prayer requests. I never thought they made any sense. I grew up in this. I ain't talk like this. Might offend 50 or 60 of you. One time they called and said, would you start a prayer chain for, an, for my unspoken prayer request? That didn't make any sense. Some things have to be spoken. Speak it to the Lord. Do you believe that? Don't, don't limit what he can do everybody say I'm a child of God and he's my father which is in heaven he wants to hear what I'm saying right now every hand lifted that wood and I want you to ask God to forgive you for your inadequate thoughts ask God to forgive you of everything that you've said that you should not have said God, I pray that you would forgive me of my imperfect tongue, negative things that I've said, thoughts that I've thought. Things I've allowed, negative things, contentious things. I want to be a speaker of life and hope, joy and peace, unity. I want my children, my spouse, been able to tell me anything good or bad what's going on in their life supplication and prayer that we can take to you God because we know you listen we know you listen 
I know he's hearing me right now. Come on, it might be physical. It could be mental, spiritual, family, finances. God cares about those things in your life. I'm going to speak life today. Right now, I'm going to ask God for some things. Come on. Right now, every hand lifted, I want you to make some petitions to God. I'm going to be healed. I'm asking God to heal my broken heart, my contentious spirit. I'm tired of being bitter and offended. I'm asking you to heal some things in my life that have been broken. Come on, all over the building. I want everybody in the building praying for a moment. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.